Uh, hello there, traveler. <laughs> hello, dear travelers, yes. Watch out, this might be a troll. Ha! You thought that you could get away from El Chico and his banditos and yours? Well, I said no. Attack! You feel as your body begins to lose consciousness as you take seven points of damage. Keep Cece safe. All right. You're, so oh. if this dice he's not stabilized. Equal a ten or higher. Oh no! This is the end of Finnevere. Oh, first roll is eleven. Eleven. Oh! He's alive. and welcome back to another episode of the gate chronicles this is season one episode 41 honestly maybe i just need to call this chronicle or like a chapter of the chronicle maybe i'll start doing that from now on i don't know anyway my name is emily i'm your game master and host for this series and also this episode and today as always i am joined by me quentin your charles smoot for this episode who is a 57-year-old biology teacher born and raised in upstate New York, currently pleasantly pleased by his ability to sever people and mantids alike, indisputably, completely in half. Uh, and I'm Jaden, uh, who plays Finnevere Avir, uh, a bard who is uh, finally recovered from his not dying. Uh, I, I would like to do some more not dying. Uh, things were really, really close last episode. We almost had to roll a new character. Yeah, I was about to say, do I need to do like the recap with Vinivere almost died? No, we all know that. I think everyone knows <laughs> yeah. that. It this was... is like the, the start of uh, the, the Charles Dickens. Was, uh, it's like, Vinivere almost died. You can understand the rest of this story until you know Vinivere almost died. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, anyway, I'm going to get us started. The party teamed up with Valen to take on a C-ranked quest to deliver some goods to a buyer in Senai. After having just left the seeker base of Lambs Respite, you all quickly encountered one of the many issues that plague delivery requests, bandits. El Chico returned, and with a vengeance, it seems. However, he and his banditos were no match for the more experienced party. As, as one of my players has been saying, he just kind of finds people and somehow convinces them to throw away their lives. Well, although life and limb were risked, the cargo was secured. And right now, you guys are all kind of still outside of the bridge. You guys have a little bit of time before we move on from this, but it's after the combat. You kind of sat down for a little bit, cleaned yourselves off. Uh, some of you actually ended up going down towards the river and washing off the blood that is um, somehow coated all of you because Charles Smoot decided that hacking people into pieces is an appropriate pastime. It is nothing if not effective. Yes, well... There are bodies on the bridge of human and insect alike. Huntsman wasn't impressed with my rat. I guess I'll maybe I'll just bring up a giant mantis head. Smoot would go and attempt to collect one of the mantis heads, as well as, uh, if no one else has already done it, um, attempt to 
move the remains of said bodies and take whatever possessions they had, seeing as they will no longer have need for them. Okay, so you want to loot the bodies and also harvest from the creature. And Finnevir? Uh, Finnevir would also be somewhat focused on the bodies. Uh, Finn's not in great shape. He would ask for some help to try to move them off the side of the road to give them somewhat of a burial. Although there are enemies, life should be respected. There were three bodies of bandits. Four escapes? Mm-hmm. Definitely the rogue, definitely the one that's probably still under that bridge, and El Chico at least. Yeah. And I think one other that was with El Chico. But would we have seen them when we were down at the river? Roll perception. With a total impressive nine, Carl Smoot was presumably oblivious, uh, more preoccupied by all of the blood and gore which lay on him and his sword. All right. Yeah, absolutely. You don't see this. You don't see anything. Except for a very nice, peaceful, serene river where there is, uh, there does happen to be now a red stream kind of going down the water. Uh, Hopefully, uh, Charles Moot finds more on the bodies than he did under the bridge. There is something that is actually more pressing than looting uh, that Finn would immediately try to tend to. Okay. Uh, Namely, his and Farron's grievous wounds. Uh, I will offer to uh, split my remaining ability of healing with her. That is all right. I can take care of myself. You need to heal yourself all the way, though. Are you sure? Yeah, absolutely. I can sit down and come up with a potion relatively quickly. I was honestly planning on doing that later today, but I guess I can do it now. Well, if you need to use the cart, um, you're more than welcome to. No, don't worry about it. And she pats on her side this small satchel which seems to be a box of some sort. I have all of my equipment here with me. Really? You can you can make potions with... Do you have, like, a mortar and pestle and everything? Yes, smaller than the usual size that I would use at my father's shop, but it is what I have right now. Uh, I can't make anything too fancy. Uh, it's still very impressive. Uh, I better tend to these before they open up too bad. Uh, and I'll spend all of my remaining magic, which is uh, three level one spells... Okay. But that's all I got. All right. I'll find some plants nearby to use as a material component. Yes, as you cast your spell, uh, focusing on the life-giving components of the plants, you absorb their longevity, which isn't very much for a plant, but you manage to heal your wounds. I wonder if you get more healing bonuses if instead of sacrificing a plant to cast your healing spell, you sacrifice like a human. <laughs> it's, it's more, it's a larger creature. I have also uh, always wondered if I stab myself a little, if that would count. I don't. Think no, that's because how you're, that it, you're t- you. It is an exchange. You are taking something from something else. But to answer the question, yes, uh, for larger and more powerful spells, bigger components such as medium-sized creatures could be hmm. needed. Ooh, nearly max rolls. Bull heals me in two level one spells. Okay. Well. Balin joins you, Charles Smoot, down at the river and is cleaning off his clothes. After all, he has been bitten on his shoulder by the mantis. And you guys make a little bit of small talk, although it's still relatively awkward. Some fancy footwork you had there. Yes, I could say the same about you. Only everyone in the party was so uh, uh, combat inclined. Yes, well, I did note that your group seems to be lacking in combat skills, so to speak. Most of them are youngsters. They're inexperienced. Hopefully they'll pick up on a few things as time goes by. Hmm. Yes. Of course they are. If they truly wanted to, they could pick up some training in Senai. 
We may. We'll see how things go. And with that, Charles Smoot would probably end his small talk and uh, attend to the bodies. So you walk off and make your way up onto the bridge and start pilfering through the bodies. Uh, But you're not necessarily looting the mantids. You are actually harvesting their parts. So I would need a survival or a healing roll. So tell me what you're rolling first. I mean, I'll just do the bodies first, I suppose. All right. Smoot, get them all. I'll let you have one if you want. Smoot is up on the bridge. You see that he has walked over and he's currently uh, rifling through some of the bodies. On one of the riders, you find what appears to be a yellow sort of liquid in a vial. A potion of sorts, but you're not exactly sure what it is. You manage to scrape up one of the throwing axes that was thrown as well. It is a standard throwing axe. It's not worth very much. No, not particular. It's kind of chipped after dinking into the stone of the bridge. Uh, and then I would roll survival uh, on the two mantids, seeing as Smoot would be the only one who's probably relatively proficient in uh, harvesting monster parts or creature parts. Okay. Uh, 28 survival on the first one. And uh, I'm assuming I'm going to have to also roll for the second mantis. Uh, and then a 29 for the second one, so... You walk over and you take your trophies without any hesitation. Taking your bastard sword, you swing down and lop off both of their heads, which fall to the ground in a massive heap, followed by the squirting of blood. It's kind of purple in color. Hey, Ben, uh, g- give me a hand over here. You want to go check that last body? Uh, sure. Could you um help me get them off the bridge afterwards? No, I, I suppose, yeah, I can throw them over the side. Finnevere, you go in and start rifling through one of the men's pockets. Your hand comes across something glass-like in texture, and as you pull it out, you see it is a vial with a purplish-colored liquid in it. And as you're looking at it, you swear that you see what looks like a screaming face inside, but it quickly disappears. Um, any character can identify a potion with a perception roll, provided uh, and the way it works is you put your finger in the, the top of the potion, and then you taste it and wait for symptoms. Sure. If you want to try it, you can. Minor effect of an instant death potion. That's a 24 for Finn. Okay. You uncork this vial, and you take a little bit on your finger, and you put it in your mouth. Uh, let me clarify, though. So you can't identify a potion with just perception. You can, though, determine the nature of the liquid using that method. Oh, I'll be satisfied with a hint. Uh, I mean, Screaming Face is already a hint, so I'm already, I feel like I'm pushing it. As you taste this potion, you feel as though you could do anything. Honestly, jumping off this bridge, not a problem. Also, Finnevere, as you are, uh, or as you have already rifled through their things, you also managed to pick up what appears to be a nice uh, ring that somebody had potentially pilfered off of another person. It looks relatively valuable with a ruby stone set in it. Uh, does it have anything like a, any kind of imprints on it, or is it uh, fairly plain? Uh, it has on the inner band, it says, To My Beloved. To my beloved. But there's nothing else on it to indicate who the owner could have been. But hey, it's yours now. Uh, yes, it is. Charles Smoot, uh, you also continue pilfering through the bodies, although you were dragging off some of the mantis heads earlier. 
Your eye was caught by a small sachet that was sticking out from the pouch in someone's shirt. You open it up and you see that it has another set of precious-looking stones. Oh, shiny rocks. They do look to be valuable. And from the last time that you've sold gemstones, you know, hey, this is this is better than carrying around coins at times. Very true. Oh, uh, yeah, Charles will gladly pick them up. Uh, what color are they? What type of gemstones do they look like? Should I roll, uh, like, a knowledge nature? Yeah, sure, that's fine. Uh, a total of 27. Well, looking at the stones, you see that there's some quartz in there alongside an amethyst and what appears to be a ruby and several other stones, which are probably less valuable than those two stones mentioned, besides the quartz, which is a very common stone. Cool. Yay. Shiny rocks. Shiny rocks. Is it, uh... Can I roll a praise on the ring? Try to figure out what it's uh, roughly valued at? Sure. You can roll an appraise. So 26. The ring you would estimate to probably be worth around maybe 300 to 500 silver, depending on who you sell it to. All right. We'll keep that in mind. You hold it ransom for who it belongs to, because then it also has sentimental value. It does appear, and also just for reference, so the stone is red and probably mm-hmm. a ruby the band itself appears to be plated in gold Ooh, is this the first gold that Benavir has seen not the first that he's seen because david did show him a coin at was it wait, was it yeah yes, no that's that right david, yeah yeah yeah, yeah david showed you a coin and you previously. were enamored by charles smooth's solid gold watch as well that's why you're reacting like that you brat oh, plate what a cheapskate I see. But this is Finnevere's <laughs> first is, golden is item. Correct. Yeah, that is Finnevere's first real gold. I might not want to sell this. <laughs> it's my beloved now. <laughs> my my beloved. Oh, you're right. I should have said my precious. You're my precious. <laughs> my precious. <laughs> Wait, can we scrap we that? Can re- we can re- We have the power. Do you want it to be my precious? To my precious. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the power in your hand. Uh uh, it, it could be pretty meme. Uh, okay, yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll change it. It actually on the inside says, my precious. It looks like the two part was faded away, though. There uh, could definitely be a two there, but it's, it's a, faded. Oh, I'm like, I look at it and say, precious. <laughs> Very quietly. <laughs> I pocket the ring. And with Isabel? Uh, sure, I'll put it in her pocket. Ooh, did you just propose oh, to the well. doll? Who knows? Do dolls even have emotions? That's a good question. All right. Uh, this one can get very upset. Has Finnevere just been hallucinating this whole time? Maybe, but I'm going to treat that hallucination like a queen until I know that she's not going <laughs> to hurt me. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, this entire time, you've just been talking to a doll. It hasn't actually done anything to you. Yeah, like all the spooky stuff was just the ghost from before. <laughs> and like some smudged uh, something uh, when he, when it came out of the, the toad. As you guys are pilfering through the bodies, you just hear Valen sort of yell over to you, What are you doing? Getting freezed up. Have you no respect for the dead? They, when they were living, they didn't even respect us. Oh, eh. You see as Valen's face sets into a scowl and Baron sighs behind him. Don't mind him. Just keep doing what you're doing. What? No. Let the dead lie. At least show them some respect. Oh, I mean... Of course. 
I, I didn't burn their bodies or anything. Well, who would even do such a thing? Well, I intended to give them a burial. Uh, I point at Finnevere. <laughs> perhaps we come from different cultures. We also have a respect for the dead, but perhaps it's a bit different. He raises an eyebrow at you. Bodies are intended to lay to rest, and especially if it were a friend or something like that, keeping an item of someone who has died is a way of keeping them alive. Or if you didn't know them, I mean, also, they're not going to be using this anymore, so it might as well be mine. And I walk off with my stuff. You hear as John sort of laughs at your response to him. Regardless of either of our ideals or cultures, the body shouldn't be left here, and they should be buried. Disease is a, a terrible thing, especially in uh, public areas. You know what vultures do, right, Finnevere? Smooth says from afar. Well, if you wanted to drag them, like, far enough away. I wouldn't mind burying the bodies. Probably be a good idea. But, Mr. Smoot is right, if we just sort of leave it to nature, but that's also really bad. I don't know anymore. Do we have a shovel or a way to dig? Because I remember that was an issue the other night. Uh, do they have a shovel? They don't have a shovel. They don't have a shovel. Axes and a shovel. Well, you would think if their employer cared, maybe he'd come back for their dead bodies. <laughs> I like the way you think, Charles. But I doubt that coward's coming back here anytime soon. Like I said, if he cared... Smoot would walk up to Farron and hand her the yellow potion and politely ask, Seeing as I'm down with my party members, uh, would you have any idea what this does? She looks at the vial, and then she reaches her hand out as if to take it from you. I will gladly allow her to examine it. Okay. Honestly, as common as these things are, I might have to start brushing up on my biology and everything and see how useful that is in this time and place with these type of scenarios. I don't want to be responsible for the spread of disease. You mentioned it, but I'm really starting to think these guys are getting a, uh, a funeral by pyre. Uh, so she lifts the potion up and seems to tilt it and look at it in the light. You can see that the color of it stays the same, but it does seem to have a sort of translucent appearance to it. She opens the vial and then she seems to waft some of the odor towards her. Hmm. From what I can tell, this seems to be a potion that can enhance your, uh, dexterity or acrobatic abilities. It might be quite useful in the place we're going to. Uh, have you ever been to Senai? I haven't been many places. I just blink at her as she blinks at me. You just hear Kelsey in the background sort of laughing, kind of more loudly than she was anticipating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. That that really wasn't incent. <clears throat> Well, at least someone laughed. Ah, uh, inside jokes. I would motion to take the potion back from Farron. You can tell that a lot of the other people in the party are somewhat confused by your statement. She'll hand you back your potion, though. To be fair, Fendivere hasn't been in a lot of places either. As you prepare to do whatever you're doing with the bodies, what are you attempting to do at this point? Well, unless someone can convince him otherwise... The only thing he can think of to prevent the spread of disease would be funeral by fire. So taking it considerably off the road, uh, as the awful smell will definitely hit those who, who come by, uh, trying to keep it a safe place from trees and doing whatever, you know, safe preparations would be needed, pile up some wood and uh, use a tinder twig and okay. cast ignite. So you attempt to start taking the bodies off the road and start suspiciously piling branches and twigs. It is at that point that Valen says, What are you doing? In respect of those who died and also those who choose to live, I am trying to prevent this 
uh, the spread of disease while also giving a peaceful burial. Have you lost your mind? Are you a maniac that you would burn bodies in broad daylight? In Rayland, nonetheless. Perhaps you can enlighten me how you do things in your culture. Unless there are absolutely extenuating circumstances, they should be buried. Then I suppose it can't be helped. Finn will start digging with his hands. So, Fenivere, you start digging with your hands. Then you do this for a while. Does anybody else, namely the only other player here at the table, help him? Or are you, uh... Oh, Charles Smith's fatigued after being in a barbarian rage. He's taking a nap in the wagon. Okay. Hey, kid. You hear John say as you're digging. Do you look up from what you're doing? Oh, yeah, of course I do. You see that John is currently leaning up against what appears to be the side of the bridge. You're a good distance away, but not too far off because you didn't have as much help moving them away. Mm-hmm. But he's sort of smirking. Listen, I'm only going to say this once. For your sake, don't waste your time. Hmm. I think I can see where he's coming from. How long does it look like it'll take me to do this? Like, how far do I think I'll be inconveniencing the party? It could take you several hours to be able to bury the bodies, especially if the only thing you're digging with is your hands. But if you had other people helping you, it might take a little bit less time, but still a good amount of hours just to dig up the hole. I suppose it can't be helped. Was Valen just watching me dig? No, he seemed to go off um, a short distance, and he's actually currently in the brush looking for maybe a stick or something. Does it look like everyone's ready to go? Charles Smoot is asleep. He's taking a nap. Finn will try to get as far as he can until it looks like everyone's waiting on him. Okay. Well, as you continue to dig, you just hear as John continues to speak. Listen, I'm not telling you to give up on your morality or something like that. I'm just saying, in this world, it's kill or be killed. To say it's anything else is... A foolish sentiment that will get you killed. And this whole thing you're doing, it's just leaving you vulnerable. I can see why you would think that. Because it's true. And uh, life will put you in those situations. But all the same, if I'm going to look at myself in the mirror 10, 15 years from now, hopefully sitting on a giant pile of money in a successful business, i got to be happy with the person that got me there. And I feel like this is what I need to do to be that person. He sort of smirks at you. Valen comes over and he starts digging. And again, John just says, Funny you should say that, because I don't think you'll be around in 10 or 15 years with the way you're going. You can't afford mercy. Mercy is only a gift that the strong can afford. And you aren't strong. Really, none of you are. So save yourself the time and the heartache. Let go of mercy until you can afford that toll. He pushes himself off from the stone wall and begins to walk away. Although you do catch a brief glance between John and Valen, who is scowling at him heavily. By the time the rest of the group is finished eating and ready to head out, you manage to dig a very shallow grave. The girls pitched in to help for a bit, but the threat of becoming filthy discouraged their prolonged aid. Oh, a shallow grave is what the what we can afford, that's... Although your rest is relatively brief, it leaves you feeling with enough energy to push on for several more hours. You all pick up your things, prepare the wagon, and begin traveling once again. And according to Valen, the checkpoint from the bridge is about a day and a half away. Your party travels for 
a few more hours before settling down for the evening. So for the next day and a half, you guys are traveling and the way is mostly clear. It is a nice ride along a well-trodden path. You actually come across some other wagons and people that are moving along, some resting on the side of the road. Vinevere, you do have the opportunity to ask Farron to check your potion. Oh, yeah, no, I'm definitely asking Farron. I get along with her better, and I'm pretty sure she knows her stuff uh, better than Mr. Oh, both Mr. I'm so high levels. She has no idea. I'm not exactly sure, but I'd want probably to take a better look at it at my father's shop. I think it's some sort of poison, so I'd be careful about putting it in your mouth. I'm like, oh, yes, but of course. <laughs> <laughs> about late afternoon on your 12th day of traveling, which is two days from the bridge, the early morning brings with it a cold front as you begin to hear the wind whipping through the grass and branches of the nearby trees. The weather has been slowly growing cooler, but this is the coldest day that you have all experienced yet. It's relatively cold and as i said it is overcast and windy and it feels like it's cutting right through you do you guys happen to have any cloaks or warmer gear on you i don't believe so no at least not for charles smooth okay well throughout this day of travel because of the cool weather and wind unless your character is wearing uh, appropriate attire like a cloak or something uh which i don't think kelsey david or even you charles have on you uh, you'll need to roll a fortitude save to avoid being fatigued when you reach the end of this traveling day. Could I wrap myself in the pelt from the ramp? We have, quote, a hundred pounds of wool. Mm-hmm. You do have a hundred pounds of wool. We could take shifts in the cart of people who get to stay in a place where they can be warm. I have two medium-sized creatures worth of pelt. Uh, Finnevere can also warm one pound of uh, material at a time with prestidigitation. Okay. So if we did that on the wool on the inside or anything that anyone piles around, we could keep one person warm on a rotation. Okay. I would just give Kelsey one of the pelts and I'll just roll a survival check. She looks at the pelt, which still has blood on it. Um, yeah, I, I would rather freeze. I would rather be cold. I mean, at least it's not freezing it's more like a nice cool fall day where i wish i had my winter park so what if you just flipped the pelt inside out so it wasn't touching you no 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 okay no. i mean you do you finavir carries two blankets on him and he will use prestidigitation to warm one and give it to kelsey okay what are you using to warm it Originally, it was come up that it was a stone uh, reflecting the idea of the heat stones in Core Pathfinder. So yes, you rub your hands together with a stone in between, and you feel as the heat from the stone is transferred over to the blanket. However, you feel as the stone begins to crumple away into a light powdery dust. Charles Smoot will unload his fat rumpus and begin walking next to Cerulean. The wagon slows down a little bit. You guys finally come upon the first checkpoint. A long stone wall curves around the hillside, guiding you towards the gate, which is enshrined by two stone towers on either side. Several other groups of travelers wait in a line which moves slowly as two guards at the front assess their cargo, and a third seems to collect some small objects before returning them to their owners. So, what do we do here? 
Baron, you've made this trip before, right? She looks at Valen, and they kind of give each other a glance. Or at very least, have been at a similar checkpoint. Yes, I've been through this checkpoint before. Oh, uh, what are we in for? You are... Hopefully nothing. Are you in trouble? No, I'm just, like... I just don't know what the screening process is like. This is a lot more strict than the, the place I come from. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I misunderstood. Usually when people are in jail, they might ask, what are you in for? And, and stuff like that. I suppose... Not that correct. I've been in jail before. I'm just... Not at uh, all. I've been grounded before, but uh, never jailed. John speaks up. From the rumors I've heard, Raylan's increased their security at their checkpoints recently. I need to show some sort of identification. Uh, uh, so like some form of identification to the secret badges count? To an extent, yes, they do. But everyone here has identification, correct? Uh, uh no. Uh, no. Uh, that is a big old no. Aggressively, no. We have one large, friendly, rotund individual who... Um, hey, I am fluffy. You are. You are very fluffy. Let's see if you and your fluffy body and personality can turn that paperclip into a passport then. Uh, what, you want me to dance for them? I just saw. I could, honestly. Uh, either that or be detained by Border Patrol. Wait, I thought you were a merchant, Finevere. I know this is a relatively new precedent, but still, I'm surprised you have no identification. What do you mean? We didn't need any. Taba's a quite isolated town. We don't we barely get any form of correspondence from uh, uh, outside authorities. Ashby was also very small, and we went to Senai, and Senai didn't question who we were. Valen looks quizzically at you as you mention Taba. What are you talking about? Taba is a part of Raylund. Jaden doesn't know what Finnevere knows, so he's doing his best. I got you. It's been a while since you've been home, Finnevere. You remember something about this alliance with Rayland. You sort of heard it in passing in one of the towns you traveled through, but it was done through a marriage contract. <laughs> uh, while I was still living there? Nothing like that ever happened while you were still there. But you recall a somewhat sorrowful moment days before you left, where Eilis, your first love, lamented that she was arranged to be married and that she did not want this for herself. Especially not after Fowlin's death. But being the chief's daughter, this was somehow inevitable. And it seems the marriage must have gone through and united Taba with Rayland. I see. Well, um, Rayland may have acquired Taba shortly after I left. Eilis's marriage wasn't until after I couldn't bear to be there. You ran away. <laughs> So that's really why you went with a Molly. <laughs> it was it was the perfect timing, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Eilis. Uh, yes. I think that is the girl's name. Do you know her? Oh yes. Uh we grew up together. Ah, how foolish of me. It is a small backwater town. Alright, uh, it, Finn's ready to take things on the cheek. It's not not here to be offended. So yeah, if what I'm hearing's correct. Do you really think a small backwater town that was recently acquired would really be up to, uh, code, per se? He sighs and shakes his head. Oh, dear. I don't know what we're going to do with this. All right. We have a few options here. Firstly... We hide from the government. Smooth. He just blinks. While that was one of his thoughts, he wasn't going to say that out loud. <laughs> This was one of Smoot's first thoughts. 
Mr. Smoot, you're way too excited about that. That smile on your face, you might want to... If looks could kill... Well, what do you propose, Mr. Politically Correct? Well, of course, there's always the option of just leaving your friend behind. He's an integral member of the party. You know, there are times when I just feel I should have just stayed behind. But I am. I am my. I am the heart of this party. Everyone knows it. <laughs> or the other options we have are, as Charles said, is to, of course, avoid the authorities and go around, which will take us a bit longer. But we would not have to worry about the first checkpoint, just the last one. What? Why are there two checkpoints? If you made it past the first one, clearly you have identification. Oh, two, you say? No, 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 no. There are three. So then why is the middle one five, but not the last one? I'm so lost. <sighs> All right. Geography lesson. Then he kind of claps his hands. There are two main entry points into Rayland. And if any of you had ever been educated at all, you would understand that at every entry point, you should have a checkpoint to safeguard your kingdom. Ah, but why am I even saying this to you? Of course, you wouldn't have anything like that in your individualized areas. Of course, Rayland is ahead of its time. He sort of smirks at that, though, at the end, thinking about it. I agree. (laughs) It's not wrong. Well, isn't there anything for, like, refugees or asylum? Like, what if you just don't have paperwork and you show up? What do they do? You pay a large fee. You have to come from money. What kind of fee are we talking here? Because I feel don't know who I am. My name is David, and I have a paperclip. And he will use it. I don't know exactly what a paperclip is, but I will say the fee is exorbitant. Only the wealthiest merchant families have been able to afford the tolls. What if... He was, there's no easy way to say this, but uh, those who uh, lie to fellow businessmen are scum, but those who uh, who leave behind their party members are worse than scum. So uh, I can use Alter Other to make him look like anyone, given that we have enough time sitting in line for me to make a sketch of them, whoever it is that we are trying to disguise him as, if we can try to... Uh, Oh, yes, certainly. You, you must have heard of this person. Uh, also, what does, like, documentation generally look like? Can't we just, like, write one up? I'm not in charge of the gate, so I'm not sure what it looks like exactly. Oh, it seemed like a wealth of information before. Typically, if you don't have your regular travel documents, you can represent a family emblem or seal. Wait, wait, wait. that's a good point, then. Then how did you get through here if you just became a seeker and you wouldn't have had a seeker badge to get through? What identification did you use? None of your business, and I have no need for it. Oh, then David doesn't either. This is great. They just let people through without identification? No, that's not what I meant. He sort of regrets speaking out. What do you mean you don't need identification then? Well, obviously he comes from money. Well, if he comes from money, can't he? Can't money get a plus one? Oh. Just say David's with you. Because he is part of your party. You're escorting him. I don't know what to tell you. He is not technically part of the party if he is not in the guild. He doesn't need to be part. No, no. We're escorting him. He's your plus one. There is no plus ones in this quest. I beg to differ. I mean, defeat's right here. The paperwork that we received does not indicate having a plus one. And he pulls out a sheet of parchment, which it does seem to have some documentation regarding your quest on it. Sort of like a declarations paper. 
demeans the cargo. Doesn't specify what the cargo is. Do we get to learn Valen's last name? All it specifies is that we are transporting cargo, but it does not specify what is in it, just the number of crates and... David, get in a box. What? Get the I mean, you're our cargo. I don't understand the confusion here. Hold on a second. I have an idea. I just gave you an idea. Oh, no, a better uh, idea. Well, what do you mean, better idea? Wait, 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 wait. I like this box idea. I really like this box idea. I mean, the drug cartels used to stuff drugs in car tires and then roll them across the border. I'm starting to become more concerned about how long she's been around you guys. Cece, you might need to talk about a few things Let's here. Let's just crack open one of these boxes, take whatever's in it, out of it. That's our personal belongings. Put David in a box. He's the cargo. Bada bing, bada boom. Ladies, gentlemen, if it's really that big of a deal, do you want me to take care of it? I am taking care of it. My plan is genius. It is foolproof. It no, is foolproof. I... I like it a lot. And John, you said you would not assist us uh, with uh, our uh, quest. Uh, 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 so John. <laughs> <laughs> he tilts his head at that. No, he's right. I did say I wouldn't interfere. I'll just watch from back here. I understand. <sighs> however, come. However. <laughs> if you did have an answer, perhaps in a method of letting us still stand on our own feet, well, also, uh, how do I say, you could help us out and I could reimburse you. Name your price. He smirks a little, looking thoughtfully off to the side. Hmm. I doubt you could afford my price. Listen, it's already been a struggle to not interfere in your business, seeing how you all are struggling on your own. But, as your friend here, Charles, said, I'll keep to my business. You keep to yours. And I think my plan's pretty solid. Come on, David. And Charles Smith's already going. He's, like, trying to crack open this crate with his, his dagger. You're trying to open the crate? Yep. Okay. Roll strength. That is one of my better stats. Everyone else currently is kind of, like, arguing over all of this. 21 for Charles Smith. As everyone else is sort of conversing um, and just at this point arguing over what to do about Devi, you just hear this loud wooden cracking sound as the largest crate is opened. Although very obvious to the eye that Devi would probably not fit in it, Charles Smoot persists nonetheless and opens the crate. And as you open, you see that inside... There appears to be a cloth that is wrapped around a strange-looking object. I picked the object up. It feels extremely light for the size. And as you pick it up, you feel a very familiar texture kind of underneath of the cloth. Charles Smooth peeks at it. It looks like it's a large meteorite. Oh, you did know the value of this. Um, okay, that's fine. Um, Charles <laughs> Smoot will... Um, how big is this box, by the way? Could it fit any of us? Maybe Kelsey or Cece. Okay, cool. I look at Kelsey. Kelsey, get in the box. No, I'm not getting in the box. Well, David can't fit. Wait, can I get in the box? Yeah, sure, Cece, you can uh, get in the box. Absolutely not. There. Well, what, what, what safer place is for her than this box? She would have total cover. There are no air holes on the box. Oh, okay. What do you mean the lid's not on the box? There's just so much going on right now. Look. He uses some magical wumbo jumble, makes David look like Cece. Cece's in the box. If they ever observe what's inside the box, we just say, oh, identical twins. <laughs> this is Brunhilda. This is Cece. This is a foolproof plan. We need to get through that checkpoint, and I am not wasting any more time. Uh, if, uh... I, 
honestly, at this point, I would say leaving him behind would be the best option. Well, what is he gonna do? Just sit on the road and starve to death? I no, they, they, God. What kind of advanced kingdom is this Rayland place that they don't have laws for, uh, like, like sanctuary states for, or, like, refugees and stuff? Well, I hate to be the bearer of worse news, but I won't leave anyone behind. And as such, as the owner of this cart, you'll have to make the decision on whether or not to carry on this mission without us, without the cart, or with David. Uh, all right. I'll go in the box. If it is this much of an issue for everyone, to make a decision. But Cece already volunteered. She sounded excited. And I'm unvolunteering her. That's not happening. Well, then we haven't a moment to waste. We'll both need to be in a place where you can be still and I can observe you. I start cracking up my paper and my uh, artisanal tools. Okay. Why do you need to cast Alter Personal on anyone? Oh, uh, you're uh, saying that if he just wears... Brunhilda's or Farin's necklace, does it have an image identification on it to compare and contrast? Either kind of magic. Uh, let's test this. Um, so the uh, magic number that's on it, does anything happen with that or anything noticeable if I take off my necklace and we put it on David? No, not that you can tell. Cool. Farin, give David your necklace. Farin, get in the box. You'll be in our, we're, we're shipping an exotic beauty to some wealthy merchant. <laughs> Farin kind of blushes at that. And she, she actually seems a little bit... She's like, you know, I'm, I'm really starting to like this idea of being an exotic beauty. I don't know. What do you think, Valen? Am I exotic? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will assist Farin in uh, getting into the box. I'll take her necklace and I'll throw it over to David. But wait, what if I need to come up for air? Wait, uh, aren't we at the back of this line? Just poke a hole in it. Does it matter? It was carrying a rock. What did you do with it? I just sat in the back corner of the wagon. All right. We won't talk about this to anyone, right? Unless you want to talk about how All you're right. an exotic beauty being purchased by a mer wealthy merchant. Or if we want to show off to the guards and, like, you can be, like, tantalizing or something. If they ask questions. You might... We have to have a cover story figured out. Smooth. Looking at the outfit that she's wearing, it, it, it would not be as convincing as you would hope, but it is a possibility. All right. Good luck, everyone. Uh, I hope I don't die. And she goes inside the box. I hop out of the wagon and I begin to walk next to Cerulean. And we proceed forward to the checkpoint. Wait, Charles, he stops you before you hop out. Why would you be walking like that? That looks suspicious. What do you mean? Because I'm fat. I don't understand the question. If I sit on that wagon, the wagon is slowed down. My mount is a baby, so I walk. If anyone questions me, that's the answer I give them. All right, how about this? I can take one of the lighter ones and they can ride on my mount with me. Preferably not the gentleman, as that would... I'd rather not tarnish my reputation. I'll gesture to Kelsey if she wants to. Uh, I guess I can. I haven't ridden one of these yet, so that's uh, fine. Benavir would like to accidentally spill a small droplet of his uh, cologne uh, somewhere in the wagon. Okay. The idea is if we get sucker punched with a dog, uh, it would be a distracting smell. You have cologne? Wow. I do, but not much. So, with Kelsey now riding on the Aquinthian with Valen, Kelsey appearing to actually enjoy riding on top of this creature because she's, like, petting it, you guys ride up to this gate. It takes actually about an hour for you to get there at the front. I would have opened the lid of the crate so that Farron could breathe while we're going up there, just making small talk with her. She looks kind of pale. <laughs> 
Are we almost there yet? Uh, yeah, I'll close the crate when we get close. Okay. I can breathe just, again. Just remember, you're an exotic beauty. Exotic? But by the time you guys reach the front and Charles Smoot puts the lid back on the box, you see at the front there are three sentries. They appear to be outfitted in relatively typical gear for someone of their station, consisting of a simple breastplate over top of a deep blue gambeson, and they appear to be armed with swords and spears. At the tops of the two towers on either side, there also appear to be a few guards on lookout, dressed similarly, but they seem to be armed with crossbows, and one or two has a long bow on them. It is at this point that one of the guards barks an order to you. Halt, sirs. State your business. Getting to the other side of the gate. I'll need more information than that, sir. I will also need identification from each of you, as well as your declaration of goods. In addition, please provide your place of origin. We are seekers looking to complete our mission of transporting cargo for a merchant. I see, so transporting cargo. Please have your identification ready as we come around. One of the other guards is actually walking around with what appears to be a parchment and quill. And the guard that addressed you is approaching each of you. And he seems to be reaching out for your identification and waiting for your answers. Charles Smoot will gladly hand him his secret emblem, giving him his name, Charles Smoot, and his location of air quote residence would be Lamb's Respite. Okay. He approaches over to Kelsey and Valen, who are on their Quinthian. Kelsey gives her name. I'm Kelsey Kissinger, and I'm from Lamb's Respite. And here's my badge. She hands it over. Valen does similar, but also seems to pass a piece of parchment along and says, Valen Gray. The guard seems momentarily surprised before smiling and handing back over his emblem and piece of paper. Good day to you, sir. Uh, wait, wait, we didn't get his uh, residence. <sighs> Come on, we have a long trek ahead of us. Yeah, but paperwork is important. I mean, I'm just trying to follow the rules. Mr. Smooth. Uh, no, 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 sir. That, that is unnecessary. Uh, he seems to awkwardly bow and then stops himself and then turns back towards the wagon. He then approaches to Finnevere. Ah, uh, Finnevere, Avir, uh, uh, Residence, Taba. Uh, I show him my identification as the, uh, the secret emblem. <laughs> A Taban. Not many of your folk come through here. He seems to mumble before he moves on. He walks over to the side of the wagon where David is sitting. Name, place of origin, purpose already identified. Sir? Crap. He just pauses. Farron! Where, where, Farron, where did you say you were from again? I am from Lem's Respite. Yes. That is it. Last name, sir. <clears throat> just look at the back of the seeker emblem. He sort of is fumbling with the seeker emblem in his hand but he does not know how to use it. Didn't it have our names etched on the back? It's arcane. It's a marking, but he didn't learn how to use one because you guys got those. Remember, the he didn't get the Seeker badge. He had the Initiate's emblem, which anybody could steal from you if they wanted to. They could have killed you for it. It wouldn't have mattered. Finnevere will try it. Um, he'll kind of turn his, his body away, kind of like an impatient type look. He'll grab some wire and string it between his pinky and uh, thumb. That's a lot of movement, so I'm going to need you to do a sleight of hand if you're trying to be discreet about it. Oh. <laughs> what? Has David said anything yet? David is currently looking 
um, around at the emblem until... He's mute, sir. He already spoke, though. He said... Did he? Yeah. When? He said, lambs are spite. Oh, dang He it. had to pause about the name. It is... My name is Farron. And then the guard was like, last name, sir. Okay, fair enough. All right. So, as a few moments pass and Finnevere is attempting to get out his copper wire, there's a slight sound. Lucier. <laughs> the guard is now looking around, confused. What was that? I said Lucier. Lucier, yes. And he passes the badge off to the guard. Come on, smooth, uh, Farron... We have a long trip ahead of us. Just give the man what he needs. Uh, he was kind of roughed up by those bandits back there. You saw him get kicked on the horse by the head. You see as the guard seems to stare at the back of the badge, and then a glowing sort of light seems to shimmer from it. What did you say your last name was again? Uh, Lucier. I did not ask you, sir. I asked him. Roll a perception check. Sure. What if you're pronouncing it wrong? Uh, natural 20 plus 14. 34. You see that the guard is reaching for his sword on his side. <coughs> Lucien! There's an M. Lucien? You hear a voice again say, Lucien! Yes, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. I don't know why I get so confused when my friend says my name wrong. He does it all the time. I am foreign. I was not born here. I am now from Lamb's Respite. Yes. That's a pronunciation issue. It happens all the time. All the time. Oh, all the time. But at this point, the guard draws a sword and points towards the crate. Who's in there? It's cargo. Yeah, we have a list. We were never specified. You can check the manifest. Uh, Valen, you have the quest, right? Apologies, but I'm going to have to ask you to open your crate. Too many people trying to sneak in here recently. Yeah, that's the cargo. What? Oh, you didn't know? Oh, let me crack this bad boy open. Smooth's so proud about this. Behold, an exotic beauty from a faraway land. And I, I crack the box open. Farron awkwardly stands up. Ta-da! She doesn't speak very well, but she was purchased by one of the wealthy merchant families, presumably. I'm going to need you to roll a bluff. That's very bad for me. Does the bard want to say anything? Mm, don't know enough. Uh, and unless you say something, my total bluff's a 10. Mm, what would be an appropriate bribe? <laughs> I don't think that's what the bard mm, is thinking. I don't think bribing military officials generally goes well. Hmm, no. Lying, however, can go very well. What was your uh, total? Oh, only ten. The guard is eyeing you all very suspiciously and points his sword towards you, although he seems to hesitantly look back towards Valen with a questioning glance. Oh, God. All right, fine. I bought her and I'm bringing her back into Rayland. This is... Yes. Yes. Are you happy now? We're trying to keep this discreet. I mean, even the quest guide didn't even give us a manifest of the cargo we were carrying. It was supposed to be a very, very hush-hush transaction. House Gray's probably not going to be very happy about this. Dear God, please. I'm asking that this information not leave here. I'm sure some sort of arrangement can be worked out. The guard looks at the other one that is near him, and then he shoos him away. Of, of, of course, my lord. Anything else? Uh... Let me just finish up my business here, and then you may move on. Uh, my lady, you may re uh, slave girl return to the box. I don't know what to say here. Banish you, majestic beauty. La, 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 la. She does <laughs> this. <laughs> and I cover the box back with the lid. She's very obedient. God. You can tell he's holding back a laugh. Um... And very expensive, so hard your eyes. I'm here they charge you just for looking at her. The guard then kind of calls back over 
the man that was writing everything down. He takes the paper that he had and crumples it, puts it in his pocket, write it again. Sorry about that, my lord. And then he gestures for the man to follow, who is now scribbling furiously. But then the guard stops again, looks, checks. No, no, that part right there. Do not write that part. Erase. Scratch it out now. It takes them about two minutes to solidify what is on the form now. But they go over to John and Cece. Cece says, I'm Brunhilda. Brunswitch. Oh, I died. Is that actually what's on her secret pendant? No. What's on her secret pendant? Just Brunhilda. Okay. The guard nervously looks back and forth between Valen and Cece. Uh, my, my dear, your name is not fully on this badge. You're going to need to get that corrected. But of course, we can overlook this for now. He looks at John. John Xavier de Leon. And John passes over an emblem, but it doesn't seem like it's a Seeker's emblem, but something a little different. All right. The guard turns back. Looks like everything is in order. I'm very sorry, my lord. And you may proceed through the gate. Welcome to the kingdom of Raylund. We hope that you all enjoy your visit. And he sort of nervously bows and then walks back over to the gate. That signals for you to move on. And so we do continue on our journey. I had a better idea. A better idea? Yeah, it's too late. A better idea than continuing on our journey? No, no, there's nothing better than continuing on our journey. (laughs) You guys ride through the gate and you are back on the road. Although after a short distance, you just hear a loud crashing sound as the top of the wooden crate comes off and Farron stands up. (gasps) Oh, Oh my gosh, it was getting so difficult to breathe. Oh, you were on a magnificent exotic beauty. You were so convincing. Really? Oh, thank you so much. I've never been told that I'm an exotic beauty, right, Valen? Oh, well, watch your tongue. That's Lord Valen to you. We are in the presence of royalty. Charles, I would appreciate if you would please keep it down. Oh, Mr. Hotshot over here. I didn't know he was Mr. Fancy well-off endowed hotshot from a far-off kingdom. No wonder he was so uppity about how awesome and mighty and powerful Raylund was. I told you, Valen, you're not very good at hiding it. Especially when you go to military checkpoints. Well, keep your voices down until we get away from the crowds. If your goal is to bring the attention of more bandits and ruffians, then keep on doing what you're doing, Charles. Otherwise, shut it. We can talk about this later. Sure, the more the merrier. We got some pretty nice stuff. Finnevir, of everything uh, Smoot said, this is where he gets the elbow. <laughs> Behave just just for a moment. <laughs> Honestly, Finnevir, when you do that, you're the one that gets hurt. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thought that counts. <laughs> well, you guys ride on for a bit more. And it comes to about evening when you settle down and camp once again. However... Random encounter. In the middle of the night, it starts to pour down rain on top of you. But you are all getting pretty wet, except for anybody who brought a tent with them. Aren't there benches on the carriage? There are. However, trying to get cover from the deluge under these narrow seats leads to half of your body becoming soaked while the other half is dripped upon from the spaces between the boards. It appears that John has his own relatively large tent, though, set up off on the side. Valen also has his own. The two hotshots over here got their tents. You know, maybe I should have stayed back in Lambster's Bite. It might have been warmer. 
Oh, it definitely would have been warmer. It would, it would have been, been so much better. Would have been more cushy, would have been less inconvenient, but it wouldn't be furthering our goal. We still need to go to sleep. It is raining all over my parade. There are two tents right over there. You're more than welcome to go and invite yourself into one, I'm sure. All right, rock, paper, scissors. For what? Whoever gets the losing bet. You can go. I'll stay. Someone's got to watch the card anyways. That is true. All right, I will take my chances with John. And he goes and he literally dive bombs into the tent. You hear a slight scream. <sighs> ah, there's a large man in here. Oh, it's it's Mr. David. Hello, it's nice to have you in here. Kelsey, there's probably enough room in there. Go have a fictitious Kelsey even here. Looks around. Kelsey's already having a pajama party with Cece. Yeah, no. No, Kelsey. As soon as there was an instance of rain. Yeah, no, she... She dipped so quick. She dipped so fast. It's not like she... It's like she didn't even get wet. It was so fast. So, now there's a slumber party going on in John's tent, but Finnevere and... Smooth staying outside. Someone's gotta watch the camp. ...are outside without cloaks in cold, cold rain. With no hesitation... Smoot would just don the ram's pelts. Okay. Uh, then he'll take one of his blankets and try to put that over, hold that over his head, and uh, and sit on his bedroll. Okay. Your blanket gets soaked pretty quickly. Yeah. Pelts are water resistant normally, aren't they? It still gets wet, but because so. you have the the literal skin of the creature, you're staying a bit drier for a little while. But because this rainwater is just coming down so heavy. You guys are getting soaked. Benavir, if you wanted to, you could probably head it to Balin's camp. Uh, you sent him a peace offering that one time with that bottle of wine. I'm sure he wouldn't mind. I think we've maxed out our imposing limits here. I mean, uh, I mean, five's a crowd, but I mean, at least it's not wet, so you could try crashing with the rest of the band. You hear as some mud kind of sloshes around as if somebody is coming out towards you guys. Because the rain is so thick and heavy, it's actually kind of difficult to see, especially because the fire's already gone out and there's no light in the sky. But you hear a voice. Mr. Finnevere? Mr. Smoot? Are you guys okay? Uh, well, it depends on your definition, but we're alive. Yeah, you guys are going to catch your death out here. Uh, taking any and all suggestions. Just come inside of John's tent. He said that's fine. Oh, then John is a generous man indeed. He's actually a very nice guy. Once you get to know him. I don't even know what Mr. Smoot was worried about. But, Mr. Smoot, are you going to stay out here all night? Well, who else is going to watch the camp? We can watch with our eyes inside of a tent where it's drier. Yeah, but then you're opening the curtain and the blind, and then, then like, people are going to get cold and complain. And, like, the, there's no way that six people fit in that tent. And I am not getting kicked in my sleep by Cece or Davida Cat. Then, I don't know, go into Balin's tent. <sighs> All right, how about this? Mr. Vinevere, why don't you go in John's tent really quick? I'll take care of some things out here. What do you okay. mean, take care of things? Uh, I'll head into John's tent. Kelsey watches after Vinevere as he goes inside of the tent and then looks back at Charles and puts her hands on her hips. Now you listen here, Mr. Smoot. What's the worst thing that can happen? It's water. You know that 70% of our bodies are made of water, right? Aren't you supposed to be a teacher of sorts? Indeed, I am. What about body temperatures? Yeah, what about them? Give me one second. She, you just hear her march off in the mud, but she doesn't go back in the other direction. No, no. She goes over to Valen's tent, and you just hear the whoosh sound of a tent flap being opened. Excuse me! We have a soaking wet man out here! 
there's a bit of a rustling sound until finally you just hear a, All right, Mr. Smoot. She comes back and the mud is sloshing again. Go to sleep inside somewhere warm. I don't care where you go. Do, do, do other people care where I go? No. Okay, fine then. If it's an open invitation. Come on, Cerulean. You do hear that the Aquintians are very much enjoying themselves as they're... Um, what kind of horses of... get to enjoy themselves, but people don't. This is stupid. They're, they're like snake horses. They like their skin wet. Oh, that's fair enough. They're, they're like water snake horses, right. actually. Me and Cerulean make our way over to Valen's tent. I hate you so much for Valen. So you go over to the tent, and you hear as Kelsey is marching back off in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Okay. I enter Valen's tent with Cerulean. So you go over into Valen's tent mm-hmm. with your elk. Mm-hmm. You kind of hear as the uh, flaps of the tent are being moved very much by the size of this creature. It's only a medium creature. You still have to bend down a little bit to get inside, and he's, like, struggling to do this. But as soon as you get him inside, you just hear, What are you doing? Uh, Kelsey said that uh, we were invited in and that we needed to stay somewhere warm. We meant... Oh. <laughs> Charles, the wee was not referring to your pet. And here she made me almost feel guilty for letting you sit out in the rain. I mean, you would understand about the royal wees here. Uh, me, I, I was not an English teacher. I was a science teacher. He pauses. You're a teacher? Indeed, of higher education. Higher education. Education is education. Well, what? well yes, but there's multiple degrees of education. Some... People get educated when they're children, but some people go further beyond and, like, as they're going into adults, get a more refined education in the specific fields. The specific field that I specialized in was science, specifically biology, which is, like, human anatomy, plants, growth. As you go on and list off your expertise, you kind of get a look around the area. It's very hard to see in here, but there is a dim, what appears to be, like, a lantern off to the side. You can see he seems to consider you for a moment. (sighs) Very well, well, then keep your pet by the door. He's very obedient. Watch. Cerulean. Stay. I once had three men try and drag this elk off and he didn't budge an inch. Lovely. Well, you can take a sleep over there and he gestures to the side where you see Farron is on a small bedroll of her own and there's a dry spot nearby her. Valen is on the other side of the tent, however. Smoot would unfurl his bedroll and go ahead and lay down. Okay. Your bedroll splats on the ground, soaking wet, Mm -hmm. and you go to sleep. Indeed. Uncomfortably, but you're able to do so. Gotta just slept in the wagon. There's a lot of squelching sounds as you sleep. Meanwhile, in the tent of John, there's a lot of snoring, kicking, and dream talking going on. But that evening passes, and the next day comes... And you continue on your journey, although, Charles Smoot, you feel a little bit more under the weather than you normally would. You should have just used the blanket, Charles. What? No. I I mean, I didn't know if I'd have to pay for that. That blanket could be worth 10,000 gold if it's from a royal family. Not everything I have is worth that much. I mean, could have surprised me. I mean, here, I'm just squandering around with my little pet deer and trying to make ends meet. (laughs) So you guys are having this little gripe off. As you continue to ride along, it's a little bit warmer today. The sky is nice and clear. It's a little breezy, though. By the time it reaches afternoon, as your wagon moves along the well-trodden path, the mud sloshing beneath the hooves of your Aquinthians and your cart, all of a sudden, 
you hear a loud screeching sound of an animal, which reaches your ears, followed by what sounds like the whooping of several deep voices off several hundred yards ahead. Is it in our way of our path, or is it kind of off to the side? It's within earshot, but you don't see anything too obvious where you are. The only thing that you could do right now is make a perception check. I would love to do that. Thank you. 17 for Charles Smith's perception. 28 for Finnevere. Okay. As you guys are continuing to ride, this noise grows louder. You actually see what appears to be figures running through a field. And as they do, you begin to see as the grasses in some of the hills are moving until finally reaching through this tall grass, a medium-sized boar with porcupine-like bristles on its back emerges and shoots out across the road. You can see blood dripping from its hind leg as a spear juts out from it. It comes to a screeching halt in the dirt, and it sees that your wagon is coming towards it. You hear the whooping sound, and you see the figures still running, but they're coming towards you supposedly chasing after this creature. It appears to be pawing at the ground as if preparing to charge at your wagon now. Benavir, stop the cart. Uh, I see it. Snoot will begin reaching for his bastard sword as he is going to jump off the wagon. Similar, Valen actually slides off the back of the Aquinthian and Theron pulls on the reins and stops it. And you two kind of go in front of the wagon. Uh, Benavir will jump down with, uh, I need you to do a handle animal for me really quick. Okay. So stop the wagon with the horses. It shouldn't be too difficult, but still. Twelve. You stop the cart and... I'll say, David, take the reins. What is with all of you jumping off of things? Uh, we might be attacked. Why would you go out there? You're the one that almost died. Vinamir, stay back. What are you doing? Uh, if anything, just grab your crossbow. Uh, I'll have a crossbow in one hand, a buckler in the other, and both of them hiding behind Mr. Smoot. You get off the wagon on the same side that Charles got off then? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so you're right behind Charles, ready to shoot him in the back. Yep. Yeah, if need be. If need be. If need be. If, if he goes wild and berserk. All right. I mean, we also know that sleep is very effective. All right. I'm going to have you roll initiative. Sure. Are we considered to be in mountainous terrain? This is considered hills, which is also considered, I believe, part of mountainous terrain. Oh, so total 13 for Charles Smith. Uh, 16 for Finnevir. Uh, Finn, you're actually first up. Uh, the bard would like to start a bardic performance of Inspire Courage. Finnevir, that is your standard action. Uh, yeah, I think I'll just uh, end there. Valen, drawing his rapier, looks at Charles. All right, then. Cut it off at the legs. You're looking at me? I cut it off at the head. If you can get past the spines, then be my guest. He runs forward. The boar, seeing this, actually is able to jump and sidestep. Charles Smith, it is your turn. Uh, very, very simple but effective. Barbarian Gogur, brandish the bastard sword. Charge, rage is a free action. Right about at the same time that Valen is charging, you charge as well. Uh, 15 to hit. Oh, wait, 17 to hit. Taking your bastard sword, you fly into a barbarian rage, screaming at the top of your lungs, almost out, matching the sound of the whooping men that are coming towards your group now. You swing up with your bastard sword and then bring it down, cleaving into this creature. Please roll damage. Six damage for Charles Smoot. Okay. Charles Smoot, you bring down your bastard sword, and as you do, slashing against this boar, the boar stomps its hooves, and enraged... You feel as its tusks 
gore into you. You take 10 damage. However, as it bristles on its back, kind of spring up, I need you to roll reflex. My worst saving throw, 18. Best roll. Hey. That's a good roll. Although the tusks are hitting against you, you manage to wrestle this thing away enough from your body that you do not get hit by its spines. Back to Finevere Veer. I imagine that the creature is being blocked quite a bit by people. Yes, Charles Smith's body is completely in front of it rather than to the side of it, and Valen is to the left side of the creature. Okay, in that case, I'll take a quick break from my bardic performance, which should linger for uh, three total rounds. Okay. Uh, so I will instead use a standard action to use my encourage trait for Mr. Smoot. So I'll just give him a good, good old hype up. Go get him, Mr. Smoot! Uh, which should give him a plus one to his next d20 roll, whatever it may be. That is your standard. Do you take a move? Uh, I do not. I wish to be in between this thing and the cart. Okay. You kind of hear Farron uh, mumble to herself, If we have to get in there, hopefully this is quick. As she says this, you see as Valen takes his rapier and he attempts to drive it down into the boar's side, but the bristles kind of spring up and keep him from reaching with his own rapier. They're almost a little metallic in strength. Very dangerous. Very deadly. Once again, Charles Smoot. Charles Smoot, also very dangerous. Very deadly. Goes and attempts to cleave down on this, this boar. Hopefully rolling better. Rolling a 16, which is significantly better. That hits. Oh, oh. On the roll. That, that roll hits. Okay, yeah. Nine damage. Again, Charles Smoot swinging in an overhead arc, you bring down your bastard sword. You feel as it cleaves into a good chunk of its flesh, but this boar is resilient. You hear as your metal sword hits against its spines, and once again, you hear this kind of metallic ring out from the contact, but the boar attempts to gore at you again. Come on, baby, Steve. Uh, yeah, Charles, as the boar attempts to gore you, you see that it loses its footing and slips somewhat in the mud. I'm going to give you an attack of opportunity against it. Oh, yeah, we hit uh, total 23. Okay. With it hits. 10 more damage with Charles Smith's Bastard Sword. You cleave directly through the center of this creature, ignoring the resistance of its body and even the metallic spines. And as you do so, you see as the top part of the torso just falls to the ground in front of you while the bottom half kind of flies to the side and hits against the nearby hill, splattering Valen in blood. He brushes his sleeve. Well, there goes this outfit. I missed the head a little bit. Sorry about that. I would say that is not a clean cut, however. And here comes the hunting party now. What do you mean? This is our kill. Finders keepers. Charles, don't be like this. That spear is their mark. And as he says that, you see as a group of men decked out in a lot of gear come rushing forward. Oi, what you done there? Protected my cargo that your quarry almost destroyed after your reckless hunt failed miserably. You see as a large brawny man about Charles Smoot's height steps forward. Sorry about that. All right, then. So you're going to hand over our beastie then? Well, seeing as uh, it's so perfectly cut in half, uh, you can have the back end, since we did all the front end's work. You just hear Valen kind of mumble to you, Charles, this is not a good idea. We have the women to worry about. Does the other guy respond to, to me? You see as a wide and dark grin forms on this man's face. His hands seem to grip tighter against his brandished axe. He's itching for a fight. 
sure. You think you're tough. You think you can keep our quarry. We could take something of yours in exchange, then. You see as his eyes quickly glance past you. We want no trouble. We were only trying to pass through when this thing came across our path. We'll be on our way, then. He seems slightly disappointed, but he does lower his axe. All right, then. Men, take it. You see as the other hunters run over, and they actually pull out large swaths of cloth, which they throw over the boar, and then use it to wrap up the pieces of the body and begin dragging it. They're being very careful to avoid touching the spines, and they go on their way, trudging back up the side of the hill, dragging the corpse with them. Valen sighs heavily in relief and resheaths his rapier. That was a wise decision. We don't need to get into a fight right now. Valen starts making his way back towards the Quinthian and the wagon. Charles Smoot would hop back onto the wagon. All right, let's keep moving then. We should come upon Easter Nil in about a day. And you guys continue onward. As we have nothing but time on our hands, uh, and I presumably switch shifts every once in a while for someone else to steer, uh... Finn would offer to any of the combat party members to maintenance their weapons, uh, including Smoot himself, uh, extending, of course, to Valen and um, uh, Farron, but I don't know that they'll accept. Last time, it didn't go so well. Valen scoffs. <laughs> Why would I let someone like you touch my blade? This is a fine piece of weaponry. I wouldn't trust anyone with it but the finest blacksmiths. Well, I don't see any of them around, but... Your property is your property. I was just offering. It's all clean and uh, whetstone anyone who uh, offers. And I'll see if there's anything I can do about my chainmail. What do you mean about your chainmail? My chainmail got a small puncture in it when I got stabbed. And unless there are missing pieces, uh, hopefully I can mend that. You would need to take that to an armorer to appropriately fix that. Because there does appear to be a piece missing. When chainmail gets a hole in it, um, that means peace broke off. You know, that does make sense. A few days after venturing away from the checkpoint, you make it into a nearby town, which is along the main road. You learn this place is called Easton Hill. So what does this Easton Hill have for us? Sheep! There are sheep here. Easton Hill is a lovely little town on the eastern side of Raylund. On an eastern hill? Next to a hill. Eastern hill. <laughs> Jaden's eyes were like, I see. I'm comfortable with the west. That's closer to where I live. Okay. The further we get east, that's a little spooky, but I guess that's, it can't be helped. You guys enter into this town, which appears to be very well developed, with buildings with wooden sides and daub on the walls. Very nice looking Tudor type of housing. You see that there are banners everywhere, and people are out in the streets walking about. There are paved roads. The mark of progress. <laughs> A very well-developed town indeed. In fact, you see that the banners that are hanging around the town appear to be of white, gold, and blue, with what appears to be a rampaging griffin as their emblem. Farron is very excited to be here, and she actually splits off from the party temporarily, and she seems to go and be doing some purchasing before you move on. This is a town where not much bad happens. Mostly good. Lots of trading. Speaking of lots of trading, Smoot would like to find himself a waterproof cloak, or at least water-resistant. 
Okay. Um, Charles Smoot, you're looking for a cloak. A traveler's cloak, probably. Indeed, a traveler's cloak. Preferably one of black or green. Something that would help him blend in as well. Uh, Finn's also sick of the rain and would also like uh, to find himself a cloak. But he also is trying to see if he could also snag a tent. Uh, preferably a Smoot and Finnevere sized tent. And this is why I saved this in here under goods and services. Okay. So, okay. Just looking at the prices of how cloaks are. So, Charles Smoot, you are actually able to find a very nice wooling cloak that would be good for most weather and terrain. And it appears to be about 100 silver. And you find that it is actually a dark gray, but there is a muted kind of green embroidered in the lining. And it also has a hood. Charles Smoot sees this, wants this, then realizes his coin purse does not allow this. What? Are you that broke? I I bought a bastard sword and I had to pay for retraining. You had more because you sold your gems, I thought. No, I I have written down the value of them, but I never sold them. You can trade. I was going to go to the butcher shop and see if anyone would be interested in 75 pounds of goat meat. Uh, would you mind letting me uh, handle the, the trades? Absolutely. Be my guest. Smoot will be the muscle and carry this around as Finnevir goes and attempts to see what bargain he can strike us. Uh, do you want to try to sell the wool as well? If they'll take it, sure. I guess we'll go around for a bit and see what prices we can get for uh, the wool and the uh, the salted meat. Okay. It is salted because he had salt. So. Yeah. <gasps> 75 pounds of meat and 200 pounds of wool. Well, we probably went through some of it on the way here, whenever we stopped with the fire. Yeah, that's why I deducted you, five pounds. You would get 97 silver coins for the meat in total. The wool, however, you are offered 100 silver pieces for the wool and skins. Okay, so I will, uh, having no qualm with this, I will just give Finnevere the 97 silver pieces and basically be like, here... Oh, dang. Uh, uh, here, uh, you bartered for it. I probably would have gotten significantly less. I saw you were looking at the same cloak I was, so this buys the majority of it. Uh, well, I may be interested in perhaps something a little more high fashion. Finnevere, uh, you actually do notice that there appears to be um, a man of similar build to you and also, let's just say, job description. He is walking around wearing what appears to be a very nice cloak, but it has very interesting designs on it. It's kind of like a patchwork quilt, except it's a patchwork cloak. Patchwork cloak. Mm-hmm. Does it look like he's pedaling it or just wearing it? No, he's just wearing it. He's walking around. Uh, does he also have a backpack? You said he was similar. He appears to be carrying around a loot. Mm. Uh, I'll see if I can... Get his attention. I'll try to think of a, a common song, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bing Sake or some such. What? I don't know. In, in, in a copyrighted universe, Bing Sake is a song that, a quote, everyone knows. I was trying to think if there's something similar. Uh, strum up the, fir- the first part on my own bard. I'm sorry, on my own loot to see if he picks it up. I'll start with, uh, you know, gather up all of the crew. Uh, okay. So you can roll performance. Yeah. 29. Okay. You begin doing what? Are you playing your lute? Are you singing? Uh, I bring out the lute. The lute is basically just a little bit of distracting uh, background, but the vocals is kind of what carries things since my uh, performance is auditory. Okay. Um, 
But uh, this is also kind of a diplomacy to kind of coax his attention to uh, follow up, because I'll keep doing each line until he catches on. You begin playing this song, and I'll see if he recognizes it. Okay. Unfortunately, he does not. He turns around after hearing you play for a little bit, and he smiles, and you see that he's a dapper-looking younger gentleman with dark hair that is slicked back. And he smiles, and he actually claps along, and he tries to follow along, though, with your playing. And you both begin duetting. Although not necessarily doing the same song, he's following along. Oh, well, I can fill, uh, I'll just follow along with his. Okay, so you both are attempting to follow along, and it falls into a mess. Beautiful. I- I'll I'll aid another. <laughs> uh, well, good sir, it was nice to play with you. It's nice uh, to meet you. Hi. Uh, are you a bard? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, Finnevere and I'll extend my hand. Oh, it's so exciting. Hi, uh, my name is Damien Blackwater. Uh, have you been practicing long? Not very long. Honestly, I, I really just came to this town. Uh, where are you from? I'm from, um, f- much further west. Well, actually, I- I'm from Korath. Ah, uh, not familiar. Uh, so what brings you to, uh, to a place like this? Well, Raylan's the place of opportunities, I've heard. Uh, some would say. I hear they have a lot of information on how to get in the inn with the Merchant's Guild. I've heard that as well. Uh, but I'm really here just to be an entertainer. How about yourself? Well, entertainment is my passion, but uh, my heart's really set on being a merchant. For now, I'm uh, suffice with uh, collecting information, and I'll pull out the Seeker Emblem. This seems to be my uh, best ticket so far. Oh, that's really cool. Wait, so you're a bard and you're a Seeker? Never heard of such a thing. Well, I do tend to keep myself busy. Charles Smoot would probably have been in the area just watching these two. Honestly, he doesn't do most of the heavy lifting. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, most of the heavy lifting would be done by uh, Mr. Charles Smoot. Charles, as you sort of speak up, he looks in your direction and you just see his face kind of go white. I lumber on over there with my large bastard sword and place it on the ground. Uh, 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 hi. Um, my name is Damien Blackwater. It's nice to meet you. Put her there. Name's Charles Smith. You reach out your hand and he reaches out his, very confused, not sure what to do, but he feels like, like this is anything. Your hand envelops his. He's not a very big man. He's not even really a man. He is young. He's starting to grow some hair on his <sighs> chin, though. Uh, but you can tell he's kind of shaking as you shake his hand. Uh... I would like to spend a use of inspire comp- uh, sorry, inspire courage to make him less fearful. Aha. Uh-huh. Ideally. Uh, well, it's much appreciated, sir. It's not helping much. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I've always been kind of a skittish one. Yeah, I don't have anything stronger than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you said you were here looking for information? Uh, uh, generally useful information. Uh, looking for uh, purchase some useful goods. Anything helps. All right. I mean, is there anything I can help you with? Seeing as I've kind of picked up one of your songs. Well, if there's anything you know, unique about this place, a particular uh, craft or, I guess, uh, goods. Every place is known for something, right? I'm always in the market for... I'm sorry, what was your question? It was like a long thought and yeah, I lost yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's a long thought. Uh, sometimes I have a hard time gathering myself together. Me too. Uh... Uh, I was just thinking that every place in the world kind of has their own niche. They're uh, the thing that makes them special. And generally, it's cheaper there than everywhere else. So I try to keep my eyes peeled. 
Aren't there like a lot of sheep around? There are a lot of sheep. Similar to how Lamb's Respite had a lot of sheep. This place should be Lamb's Respite. <laughs> Lamb's Respite had a lot of sheep. Well, I'm not really from here, so I don't know exactly the specialty. I actually just got here about three days ago. All right. And where did you say you were from? Uh, Cora. Yeah, I'm from Cora. Uh, my, my geography is pretty poor. Where, 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 which direction's that in? Oh, no, no worries. It's on the western part of the continent, a little further south of here. We're actually, well, it is, and I'm not there anymore, but it's a, a sort of a city on its own, but it doesn't really have a lot of access from other people unless you're going by sea, and I can't stand traveling by the sea. Oh, but since you're seekers, uh... I guess the easiest way to explain if you've never been there is it's near Otter's Holt. Oh, so you're like really south. Uh, I, I guess. Honestly, I'm not very good at maps. You'd probably have to find somebody who does that. Fair enough. Uh, who did you come with? Uh, nobody. You made it here, all on your own. I'm surprised. I know Finnevere wouldn't last two days out in the wild. Uh, well, I, I mean, I did come here by myself, but I had some help from my family. I see, I would say. I would be quite impressed. I would not have made it this far if it was not for the aid of those I hold close. And as you say that, you hear a voice. That's right, Mr. Finevere. Definitely would not have made it this far without a certain somebody. Oh, yes. This is Kelsey, the head on our shoulders that we sorely lack. <laughs> I wasn't going for me, but that also works. I was talking about a Molly. Oh, oh yeah. I thought she was talking about me. <laughs> so... I mean, unfortunately, there's not much I can help you with, but if there's anything you want to know, uh, maybe you could ask around town. All right. Well, in that case, it was very nice meeting you. It was nice uh, to meet da you, too. Uh, I, uh, it's all right. Um, I was going to say Damien at the end of the sentence, but it's not a big deal. Oh, okay. Uh, I know we'll say our goodbyes and uh, try to get our merchanting done. You didn't even ask, ask him about the cloak? Wait, is he? Oh, no. The, the patchwork cloak? I don't know what to say. It's really cool. Why didn't you say that? By the way, I'm a big fan of your cloak. Uh, oh, thanks. I kind of put it together myself. Maybe you should be a merchant. It's a fantastic brand. Wait, are you saying you haven't done it yourself? I heard this is something bards do all the time. Uh, it is? This is my storytelling cloak. And he spins around and you see he kind of like throws it off of his shoulders and he shows you. This is the story from when I was coming from Korath and how I came across a large sea beast. And that's why I will never travel in the ocean again. It gives me inspiration for writing my songs. I see. Fascinating. I was, I was like nerd out for a second, just start studying each square and try to make wild guesses as to what each might be. Okay. I see. This must be a, a, a bear or a... Uh, no, that's a platypus. A platypus. Yeah. They're ferocious creatures. Humongous in size. My goodness. I've dealt with frogs before, multiple times. Yeah. I've heard at Otter's Halt, they can actually tame them. <sighs> then they must be more terrifying than the frogs. Yeah. They have three eyes, and honestly, anything with more than two is creepy to me. <sighs> I'm on board with that. Charles Smooth's just kind of sitting back, observing, waiting for Finnevere in this conversation to be uh, over. Well, how about take this with you? If you're uh, so inclined, uh, I'll tear... A, uh, a sheet from my purple fabric from Ashby. Okay. And it, it'll be at least a little bit wider than any of the squares that he has, or any of his patches, and it'll be the whole length down. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, I don't know what I would make with this, but that's really exciting. Oh, maybe I could talk about an amazing bard that I met once. 
And so he starts um, pulling out what appears to be a small notebook and journaling in it. Uh, you would do me a great service uh, to spread my name, Finevere Veer. It's a, a bit of a, you could say, a side quest of mine to spread that name as far as possible. I see. And is there anything great that you've accomplished, Finevere Veer? <laughs> Just so I can spread the word. If not, I can make something up, I guess. But honestly, honesty is best. I would agree. Uh, tall tales will get you caught eventually. And uh, a good standing of morals. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give me the good and dirty stuff I need. The good and dirty. Well, uh, we did defeat a uh, massive frog and saved a town. Uh, uh, a small village from a, a repeated eating of people. No urn. Last I checked, you survived Ooh. getting eaten whole by that frog. Oh, that reminds me. And we also fought off a gannon of Sergius leeches. I actually have a song about that one. All right. Perfect. I've got everything I need. Honestly, if I go on for too much longer, I won't be able to come up with a good song. I like the idea of you being swallowed by the frog, and then you slayed the frog. Well, no, he didn't, he didn't kill it. I did. He was kind of unconscious on the belly of the frog. Oh, okay. Let me uh, change a few things here. I'm could just... I... Uh, Hand him a sketch of something I would have. You got a sketch on you? Sure. I uh, yes, it would be a sketch of the uh, uh, the Avir crest. Uh, it, I think it would be. It's an amarilla, I think. Okay, it's a flower. Well, it's a really long story, but it goes along with my name. All right. Well, make sure you get to tell your own story, but I'll be telling the story about a man named Avir who slayed a frog. That sounds fantastic. You knew, you do me a great honor. Or was swallowed by a frog and died a horrible death. I have to see what the audience feels. Ah, do as you must. Anyway, it's definitely really nice to meet you. I hope we run into each other again, Mr. Revere. And maybe next time we do, I'll be a famous bard. And perhaps I'll have a better story to tell you than that. <laughs> All right. I'll see you again someday, maybe. Huh. That's if I don't die first. Ah, same. Uh, let's hope we meet again, Mr. Uh, Damien Blackwater. It's Mr. Blackwater. Thank you. Oh, Mr. Blackwater. Thank you. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, he wouldn't say that, but yeah. Um, so he goes off and he starts singing and he seems to be practicing a tune about an Avere who was swallowed by a frog. And I think that is where we're going to end off today's episode of The Gage Chronicles. Thank you, Foundling, for listening. We really do appreciate you tuning in each week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And please make sure if you guys are enjoying listening to this podcast, this series, this episode, to leave us a rating and a review in whatever podcast listening app that you're on. And also consider leaving us a rating and review on each episode on Podchaser because that's the IMDb of podcasts. It's uh, not a sponsor of us, but we think it's pretty cool. So yeah, go to Podchaser and you can actually find us and other podcasts that you listen to there. We want to give a big thank you and shout out to Michael Gelfie. Will Savino with Music D20 and Monumental Studios for letting us use their ambiance and music in today's episode. Please consider checking them out, guys, and supporting their content. And as always, if you want to support the podcast in other ways, please tell other people about us and share these episodes and be like, hey, this is really cool. This is great. Yeah, I like how I sound so enthusiastic. I am. I am. I'm just really tired at the end of this. <laughs> But you can also go to our website, missingroleplayerfound.com. That's missing R-O-L-L playerfound.com and pick up some merchandise where hats, stickers, t-shirts, and more. Or you can donate to the podcast monthly through Patreon and get access to bonus content like early releases of episodes and world building lore and GM notes, which I am putting up on our world anvil. Some stuff is there and it is free to public use, but uh, other stuff is definitely uh, 
private because one day this may be a, a book that I've been working on for years. Who knows? All right, foundlings. I think that's it. Make sure you guys are following us on our social media accounts, Twitter and Instagram at RollFound. And join us in our Discord where we chat, we hang out, and we play games together. And that link is in the description below. So, foundlings, we'll see you next, next week on The Gate Chronicles. Bye! Bye!